Welcome to another Emerging Cricket Podcast Men's ICC T20 World Cup Team Preview Special. Coming up, we discuss Papua New Guinea and their chances at the tournament. A reminder that we're still releasing the weekly show wherever you are listening to the pod, so don't miss those. And our content continues to roll on EmergingCricket.com. Finally, join the many who have joined us on Patreon. From as little as $2 a month, you can help us grow the game outside its traditional centres. For more, log on to Patreon.com forward slash Emerging Cricket. But for now, enjoy another World Cup Team Preview. Another World Cup team preview is in your future. Welcome back to our team preview shows here at Emerging Cricket. Today we look at Papua New Guinea and their chances at the T20 World Cup coming up. Uh, we're not far away at all here, boys, and PNG are taking part in the tournament's opener. Uh, first, boys, say good day. Tim and Nick, of course, the usual EC pod regulars. How are we? Good. I was just having sort of matrix flashes when you're saying we are in your future. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, Neo. New one coming out soon. Is there? Yes. Gee, they must be desperate for cash. <laughs> are they going to go back and combine the second and third ones into a second movie like it always should have been and then have a proper finale? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I don't know. It's called uh, Resurrection, I think. Wow, that's that's something to look forward to. I don't know. It's definitely in the basket for terrible kind of endings to franchises, isn't it? Like the mm. entire last season of Game of Thrones. But anyway, sorry, Daniel. I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm good. No problem. Nick, what about you? Um, well, I've, I've just put my pumpkin pie into the oven, so that should let listeners know when we recorded it, if they're familiar with Canadian traditions. But uh, yes, I'm well. <laughs> Narrator, no one was aware of Canadian <laughs> tradition. Let's have a look at Papua New Guinea and their campaign here. Canada missing out at the T20 World Cup qualifier in 2019, and for all intents and purposes not relevant in this discussion <laughs> but Papua New Guinea will begin the tournament the curtain raiser on October 17 at the Oman Academy ground in Al Amarat they then take on Scotland on the 19th Bangladesh on the 21st now look fellas I think it's pretty fair to say that the last 18 months in PNG cricket has not been fantastic almost since the, the world cup qualifier itself i think we've just worked out that the last match that they've won internationally was at the qualifier so it's been a pretty tricky time in, in the lead up but looking at their group and and look it is going to be tricky there's there's no two ways about this do we look at that oman fixture tim as almost make or break in the first match here because they're going to need probably two victories they won't put up a fight against bangladesh if we're realistic with ourselves here Oman tournament hosts. It's a pretty big test for them first up, but it's also one where they really do need to hit the ground running. Yeah, well, we've talked about how big that game one in Group A with Namibia and Sri Lanka is, mainly for all of us who are cheering for anyone but Sri Lanka. (laughs) But you're bang on. And I know it's a different format, but we go all the way back to April 2019 when they played against Oman in that critical World Cricket League Division 2 game. And I'm sure Oman's scars will still be there. Um, the Barramundi miracle. But you said it's been a year and a half. I think if you, you look at where that tournament, the Men's T20 World Cup qualifier in 2019, it's basically been two years. You know, it was, the I think, the first week in November. And times have, have not been good. I know we've, we've talked about it at length, about how well-focused and how well-suited the PNG team is to, to T20 cricket. You know, we saw... Norman Vanua dig them out of the hole against Kenya in that qualifier. What were they, 6 for 20 or 5 for 20, 5 for 25? Yeah, 5 for not much, yeah. Yeah, so without kind of 
getting to the points that we're going to get to. This is their preferred format. But yeah, game one, Oman and their home grounds. You know, we've, we've got Pankaj Kimji saying, no, that there are no celebrations for any birthdays or anything leading up to the tournament. Oman <laughs> are going to be focused. I know I'm stealing your story. Am I stealing your story already there? Sorry. Apologise to Shaunak, please. Shaunak wrote that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. And a market down for the tournament as well, the quality of play too. I think all fans of, again, little little E, little C, but emerging cricket nations would love to see two high-quality performances from these, these two sides. But, uh, yeah, Jesus, come around, isn't it? Can't wait. Nick, looking at their recent form, they were one of the first teams, if not the first team, to actually depart their homeland and move towards uh, the location for the World Cup. They've been in Oman for most of their stay, playing Cricket World Cup League 2 and then moving on to UAE and playing in, in some of the lead-up matches. Lost all four matches in that campaign they did play and then they've gone winless again in this summer bash that the UAE held. It's not boding well at the moment. They've almost forgotten how to win for a lack of a of a better kind of explanation. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point you, you put there in the sense that, yeah, as you say, they, they haven't won a game for two years at international level. And you know, looking back at that qualifier, they were in really good form. And um, you mentioned that match against Kenya. I just looked it up. It's They were 6 for 19. And uh, Norman Vanua hit a half century to, to drag them to a defendable total. And they ended up winning by, I think, 50 runs and the rest is history. But So they need to regain that mentality where they, they believe that they can win from being you know that far down in a hole and it just seems like watching them in the last little while they they just don't have that instinct and I mean it's been really tough for them you know they haven't played much international cricket since the pandemic started because you know for a variety of logistical reasons it's, it's been very difficult for them and I mean they've been running some tournaments mostly t20 stuff so you know you'd think that would that would help them but you know they looked quite poor in Cricket World Cup League 2 against Oman and Scotland. They lost all four games there and they've, as you said, they lost all three at the uh, Summer Bash so far, including Namibia putting up 249 against them in a T20 game. So, you know, it doesn't look good. They've had a tough time of it in in terms of off-field stuff. You mentioned that they were one of the first teams to make it to the golf you know, that came after some very complicated flight scheduling and, and quarantines and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's been difficult for them. And we've seen in recent weeks, there've been several deaths in, in the family of um, a number of players. And so it's been distracting for them. And you know, so they've, they've been struggling for off-field reasons as well as, um, you know, not winning games. So how they recover from all that and, you know, pull it together in this competition, they have the skills and looking at the squad, which we'll, we'll get to in a second, but, you know, they, they have guys from top to bottom, basically, who can score runs and take wickets. It's just the mental side of things that's going to probably determine their, their outcomes here. It has been a tricky time and, yeah, it's important to acknowledge that and with PNG being such a tight cricketing community as well, I'm sure the boys are getting around each other and, mm. and the spirit will remain high. I mean, that's one thing that they have haven't lacked in the last few years in international cricket when their backs have been against the wall. They've actually more often than not managed to find a way to win matches. And we talked about the Barramundi Miracle at World Cricket League 2. They're just a team that you can never, ever write off. And a situation like this is certainly one that, you know, and I don't really like the saying or the line, but they don't really have anything to lose at this point. It was a magnificent way in which they qualified for the tournament. Now they're here, they can play cricket on their terms to a degree and play their form of cricket, which we will talk about in a second. I'll just go through the squad. Only one really big 
change out from the qualifier is that Riley Heckeray, who did play in that qualifier, injured not in the squad, but a lot of familiar faces. We know that this is a squad across both formats that they tend to kind of use the, the same sort of 13 to 15 players. Asad Vala, captain of the team. Charles Amini, Legacy Arca, Norman Vanua, Nasana Pokana, Kipling Dariga will keep. Tony Euro, the other opening bat with Vala. Hiri Hiri, Gaudi Toka, Sese Bao, Damien Ravu, Kabua Vagi Morea, Simon Attar, Jason Killer, Chad, hashtag free Chatty Soper, <laughs> and Jack Gardner make up that squad. Now, we could talk about the, the squad. The squad has been one that's been largely unchanged over the past three or four years. Uh, Jack Gardner is a young talent coming out of, I think he's actually based in Brisbane, probably won't play in the 11, but he's definitely a name to watch as a a fast bowler. But looking at the guys that we do think will make up the 11, and someone like Chad, who actually missed out on some games during the qualifier, looks like he might actually play more of a key role here as almost a death bowler. At least in the warm-ups, he's kind of shown that ability. He he kind of thwarted JJ Smith in one of those warm-up matches there, Nick. So... Looking at this team, we'll talk about some of the key players, I think, in a moment, that there's a couple of uh, general consensus agreements on, on who those players will be. What do you think the game plan for, for someone like PNG will be? Yeah, it's going to be tricky because uh, we've talked about this a bit before, but the way they play is it's almost like total cricket in that there's you know guys, they've pretty much got 10 all-rounders plus a wicketkeeper. Uh, maybe you'd say Nasana Pakana is not really much of a batsman, but other than that, basically everyone bats and bowls. And so having that variety can be a strength for Vala, but a lot of the time it seems like there's almost too much and he kind of chops and changes. And, and the other thing, of course, is that a lot of them are pretty similar, sort of samey right arm seam too fast, whereas Pakana does offer that left arm angle and, and a bit of slightly sharper pace. You mentioned Soper. I was pretty impressed with the way he bowled in those warm ups and with Dariga up to the stumps and, and bowling cut. And we talk about the pitches in Oman being a bit more uh, sort of seam friendly compared to the slower ones in the UAE. So I, I don't know if that'll uh, transfer over as much. But um, yeah, he was very effective with those cutters and, and sort of keeping a lid on the scoring. And even looking to the Cricket World Cup League too, he was one of their better bowlers there. And he was just very hard to get away. So uh, I think he'll be important on the seam side of things. With the spin, actually, they've got a lot of options. So that's probably more their strength uh, with the bowling. And looking sort of macro level, they'll, they'll want to be... I think they'll be bowling more defensively and, and sort of trying to keep teams to a manageable total rather than uh, you know trying to bowl teams out. It's been... They had Namibia put up 249, as you said, uh, in one of the warm-up matches, which does spell a little bit of danger. But Tim, as we know, and Nick, you mentioned it, they've got guys who can bat as far down as, as 9 and 10 if they absolutely need to. So what's the, the MO with the bat for PNG? Do you think that they're almost better off just going hammer and tong for most part of the 20 overs in the hope that someone fires and, and kicks on and makes a big score? I think you've nailed on the head there. And again, I've been having similar conversations with Jeremy Bray here about the, the style of play for Vanuatu going into sort of longer format cricket, you know, a matter of backing yourselves to do that and not, and playing freely. And I think the same thing could be said for, for Papua New Guinea and not going into their shell if they lose a couple of wickets because if you lose a couple of, you know, three or four wickets in T20 cricket, we know the numbers, you know, you're going to lose 80% of your games. But I think the key is for them just to continue backing themselves throughout but I, I found it interesting just as you were talking then Nick about the the strategy from a bowling point of view if they're just trying to 
kick the score down, does that mean we're going to see Papua New Guinea just winning the toss and bowling every time, thinking at least they'll have a target to go at rather than their strike weapon being their bowling and trying to, to close teams out? But then we've seen them bowl against Namibia and Namibia get 249 and and then what what happens? So I can only imagine what's sort of going through Carl Sandry, the new coach, and Asad Vala's head about, about plans there because the more we hear about what Amar is going to play like and the size of the field there, I think we're going to see some, some really big scores. It's important, probably that point that you raised there, Tim. A new coach in Carl Sanju with Joe Dawes leaving the post just months out from the tournament beginning. As someone in this chat who will talk to someone like Jeremy Bray, a coach of Vanuatu, and understanding you know, what the relationship is like, what you have to do to build rapport in a team as a new coach coming in, how do you think that relationship between, say, Sandri and the team is going at the moment, knowing that he only had a few months in the lead-up to this tournament to actually put the team together, first and foremost, and then set out you know, a game plan for his team? Oh, lucky enough to be on a call and I'm not talking our school here at all, but um, the ICC East Asia Pacific office um, had a call for all of the members in the region. We actually had most of the contracted players dial in as well, or at least in, be in the room, talking to Greg Campbell, Carl Sandry, um, and all the support staff about the, the journey there and, and preparing. And, you know, Carl's been doing a lot of work before meeting up with the team and as you've already mentioned they got into the golf really early and has been doing a lot of well again now actually moving into face face to face work and is very clear about his plans and what he's looking from the side bearing in mind the results that they've had and it was only a couple of days ago so that was also taking into account everything that's happened um, off field as well as you've you've already mentioned so i think that the mantra that that we saw in 2019 was about new barras i think after they all they felt like they'd veered off who they were and they weren't playing the skill and execution they thought they could i think leading the, the cricket world cup league two games leading up to that and then they came out as new barras and now it's the hashtag back the barras where i think they're sort of thinking they're getting to a stage where where they're performing where they, they want to be albeit we're not seeing the results so yeah it's always a, a tough one when you're taking over from a coach that from the outside looking in had done really well to get them through, you know, well, quickly Division 2, they did really, really well to get out of that. Really, by rights, they, they shouldn't have. And then they blitzed the World Cup qualifier and then they lose that coach. So to, to come in on the back of that, to know whether you kind of look at your own your own strategy and try and do things your way or whether you're just looking at the, just resetting the dials of as to what was doing will, will be a challenge. But look, from hearing Carl talk, um, these are all things that have been taken into account. And it sounds like uh, they're really happy with uh, with how he's integrated into the squad. And it sounds weird integrating into the squad as a coach, but that's the thing about PNG cricket. You know, what has changed in the last five years, the last six years? It's it's generally been the coaching staff. The players have remained the same. Looking at the key players, and I think probably the obvious pick is Asad Vala, the captain, and not only as a key of that opening partnership, likely to to be with Tony Ura. He'll have to manage his bowlers really well. He's got a number of options and he's going to have to juggle a lot of different roles and he might actually bowl himself at times, Nick. And just thinking about that opening pair, Vala and Yura, they had an average opening partnership at the qualifier of over 50. Uh, they, they won a game against Bermuda by 10 wickets, chasing down a small total. They put up 125, I think, against one of the other teams as well during the tournament. I think it's pretty obvious to, to point out, but I definitely want you to kind of talk about a little bit more that the opening partnership for them, they're going to need to fire for them to, if they do bat first in games, to, to post a threatening target for, for oppositions in this first round. 
Yeah, I mean, we saw that against Namibia in that uh, the, the warm-up series that's just concluded uh, where Tony Ura hit 69 of 43, I think, and um, they were in the chase. They were chasing 170-odd, and they, they looked pretty good to, to get there until Tony Ura got out, and then things kind of fizzled out. And um, same, you know, looking back at the qualifiers, any time they're winning, it's either Asad Vala or, or Tony Ura making a big score at the top or, you know, sometimes both. Uh, and yeah, has been pretty badly out of form in the last little while, you know, looking at um, the, the Cricket World Cup League 2 and, and even a couple of those T20s, he just sort of wasn't, um, you know, wasn't connecting for him. So hopefully that innings against Namibia is a, you know, a turning point and he gets back into that form where he's, he's able to sort of thrash it over the offside with so much power and just hit sixes at will basically and if he's if he's in form they're starting to look a bit better and yeah as you said Asad Vala so reliable at the top and and he gets in a couple of overs of pretty handy off spin as well and and that's not to be underrated in in a T20 game where they're as I said trying to keep a lid on the scoring rate and he can just kind of wheel in pinch an over here and there and and go for sort of five or six and and that'll be handy too so Asad Vala's definitely their key man and as as we saw um, in, in Cricket World Cup League 2 and so for so long you know he's been the guy you know if he doesn't get a big score they're struggling and, and so he's definitely going to have to set the tone at the top there Looking at players to watch uh, I'm sure we've all got different choices here for me it's probably someone like Charles Amini who will be a key all-rounder and, and bowling his leg spin as well uh, I'll start with you Nick Who who's your player to, to kind of look at in terms of this uh, campaign for the Barramundis? Yeah, you mentioned CJ, and I think you're right. He'll be pretty important to them with with bat and ball. But for me, it's Legasiaka. He's another one of those uh, spin option uh, batting all rounders that they've got. Balsam decent leg spin, which again could be handy in, in certain situations. But you know, he's we've talked about it so much, or at least I have. I always go on about how he he just looks so good at the crease, and he just has a lot of time to play his shots. But he just constantly gets out after making a start and, and doesn't go on with it. So this is you know, an opportunity for him where if he is finding form at the top of the order and if he's going on with his starts, suddenly PNG's top order, you know, Tony Ura, Asad Vala, Legasiaka, that looks a lot more threatening if he's putting up consistent sort of 30, 40, 50 rather than, a, you know, 15 off 10 and back in the dressing room. So one to watch for sure. And I mean, he, he's good to watch just... As as a spectator, because he, he looks so silky smooth at the crease, amazing runner <laughs> between wickets as well. He's so quick. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, if if he's going well, I think PNG will surprise a few people. Has to be one of the quickest runners between wickets. Uh, Tim, who are you looking at for for PNG? Well, I, it, we've talked about some key players there, and Asad Vala is beyond talismanic. You know, we talk about a a post Paris Nepal, um, post <laughs> Vala. PNG is a, is, a, is a scary thought if you're mm. a Barramundi fan or just a fan of emerging cricket. But I, I can't go past our mate Norman Vanua. Um, he has the potential of rebuilding innings, as we saw against Kenya, as just one recent example. If there is a great foundation that's been laid by the batters up the top, he can come in and score, and again, 50 off 20 balls and, and really get that scored up to a, a, a real defendable target. And then... With the ball as well, you know, the game against Bermuda that you mentioned, Nick, winning by by 10 wickets, might have been Bez, but, you know, he took a hat-trick in that first innings. So, ball, bats, uh, he's someone that can win a game, but save a game as well. Um, 
both with a bat and ball. So, you know, I think no one's going to, going to underestimate him because they'll all know about him, or Bangladesh, you'd like to think, will have done their work as well. He's got a very unassuming nature about the way he goes about his game, quite laconic in the way that he, he bats. You know, he doesn't have that kind of strong front arm that makes you feel like he's about to hit you everywhere, but just has this ability to hit you over both sides of well all around the wicket with ease that I'm just really looking forward to seeing him shine like I don't want them to collapse so he has to come out and and save them <laughs> but that's when that's when he's at his best so for me he's, he's he is a key player but he's also one to watch too because again you know we know we're watching a, a, a team a national side tournament here but the eyes of the world will be on the PNG for you know the first time really here they'll, they'll be the biggest crowds ever watching and there's a real chance for for some of these players to uh, to get a look in in some franchise tournaments down the down the road as well, which is only only going to help their development and PNGs in general, because I think one thing we we have mentioned about the, the lack of quality cricket they've been getting is also because none of their players, as tough as it would have been to leave PNG, but you know I'm sure that where there's a will there's a way, but none of them have been going any, anywhere else to play. So I'm also mindful of that and the chance for for someone like Norman to to get his mug in front of these uh, these player agents who are, are always uh, tweeting and uh, and keenly watching the emerging game and commentating. <laughs> no comment. Uh, going back, I suppose to to Vala and his captaincy in the field. I mean, if you add him as as one of the bowlers who could bowl for them. And then looking at the list of players that they have in their squad, it's almost a question of who doesn't bowl. Himself, Amini, Siaka, Vanua, Pokana, Gaudi Toka, I think Sese Bow bowls for memory, Damien Ravu and Vagi Morea, and Simon Atto bowled the other day, Jason Keeler, Chad and Jack. So, I mean, there's there might be three players in the, in the whole squad who don't bowl. And whoever makes up that 11, that's going to be really interesting to see what Assad does when you don't have a very long time to work out who's on and, and who's not. So, Tim, I'm asking probably the best bowler in this conversation here. <laughs> what do you mean, probably? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Andrew Leonard, you know, no longer the best leg spinner in Ireland. What have I done? <laughs> what What does Vala need to kind of look at or look into when he just realises that someone's shot? I mean, on the, on the global stage as well, I'm sure confidence and, and nerves will play a big part in this too. What are some of the telltale signs that the people have, have kind of lost their radar or lost their way a little bit? Oh, these players are so finely tuned these days in terms of knowing their plans. Um, you know, I'm thinking of all the cliches you hear now but about every ball being an event. They should have field sorted, plan sorted for, to every batter. I think you can see pretty quickly, especially with spinners, about the purchase they get into the ball and the control they have to get the ball in the spots you're trying to, to particular batters. So I, I, I think any captain worth their salt these days are really on that and it's not just spinners but the the margin of error is less for a spinner which makes it even even tougher but i think you know he'll be on that because that'll be like uh, i kind of think of cool runnings with uh you know with the skipper go- looking at the photos of the turns <laughs> the, the, the night before watch out for number 12 turn. Yeah. High, scary huh? yeah high high in it's joseph low out um it, it'll be it'll be similar and, and it's not that these guys are pre-programmed, they're not computers, but they will have their, their plans. So, again, that's the advantage that PNG has. They've got so many bowlers. But <laughs> on the other hand, does that mean that your margin of error as a bowler is even smaller? Because even if you're just slightly off, 
you go, oh, well, you know, I've got eight other bowlers to choose from. <laughs> so again, that's another, you know, the abundance of choice, you know, will that cause confusion? But uh, from a spinner's point of view, it'd be pretty easy to see pretty quickly. And, and that itself will be interesting to see how that is handled because it's Papua New Guinea's first World Cup men's or women's. Been at under-19s before, but a senior senior World Cup, you know, Assad's going to have to be be on as well and you know that's the trouble of being a captain that you know just another layer layer to what you're supposed to be doing you know be on top of everything and say, oh by the way you know don't have any emotions either <laughs> you know when you're actually enjoying going out there so i'm excited and nervous and nervous for them and especially asset going out there i see pride and i see power <laughs> in this Barramundi's team <laughs> i had to don't you like how you guys have done such great previews so far without any pop culture reference whatsoever? And I come on and it's like <laughs> cool runnings. Yeah, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time. So I really have no qualms about this. Before we do look at the big matchups of the three games, I mean, it's it's fair to say the, weak, the weaknesses are that at times of the pace bowling has been pretty one-dimensional and... The batting in the, the middle to lower order, Nick, especially in T20 cricket, has been brittle. And looking at Cricket World Cup League 2, it's been no different. It's been a case of numbers 8, 9, and 10 actually having to pick up the pieces and put a target together that is somewhat defendable. What's the solution? I don't expect you to have an answer here. You're not Carl Sandry, but what do you think the plan is for PNG to almost kind of move away from even having to deal with those weaknesses and, and to make good chases or to put up a decent target? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do if they do win the toss because there's as, as we've kind of discussed, they've they've got sort of glaring weaknesses on either side with the with the batting and the bowling. I think, as as I said earlier, they'll they'll look to be more containing than uh, you know bowling teams out. And in terms of the the seam attack being quite hittable, quite possibly they'll end up not bowling that much seam at all and and just try and get uh, you know maybe fifteen overs out of. Um, Guys like Vala and um, obviously CJ Amini, who, who's um, been he's he's pretty underrated as a leg spinner. I think he goes you know a bit under the radar when we talk about um, bowling talents in the associate world. But yeah, so so the spin lineup I think is probably going to be decisive in in terms of what they do. And and do, do they go with maybe just Chad and Nasana Pakana and and then just have the rest of spinners? I, I don't know. So the, the team combinations. Yes, they have a lot of all-rounders, but which all-rounders they actually choose, I think, is probably going to be part of, of how they try and compensate for their for their weaknesses there. Looking at the three matches, and Oman is a key match, they're, they're first, but I think looking at that, it's almost a, a fire v. fire matchup in that both teams rely on, on a strong opening pair as the cornerstone of their batting. The bowling is quite similar too, so... Moving to maybe the other two matches, and, and we'll start with Bangladesh because, look, on, on paper, you would rank PNG as outsiders, but probably 10 to 1 or, or worse. Is there any plan that they can formulate where they could beat a team like Bangladesh, Tim? I'm just looking at, at the Shakibs and, and the spin threat, and maybe their batting's a little bit brittle, and maybe something that they could possibly look into. What would have to happen for for PNG to mount some sort of miraculous victory over Bangladesh. Well, it's funny that you talk about the odds potentially being 10 to 1 because the last time the team played Bangladesh in a World Cup and they were 10 to 1 was when Hong Kong came up against them in, in 2014. And uh, Yes. And uh, I have uh, no qualms in saying that I put my last uh, $50 that was in the betting account before I started working in cricket on, on Hong Kong for that game and, and was successful. And... 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, wow, I, I still remember watching. I was like, it's beyond surreal. I, I know we've sort of skipped past Oman, but it's the same thing. It's starting hard and and really ramming at home. Yeah, that that game, and it is seven years ago. And but there are some some players still there, including Shakib, who. I still find bizarre that is back. Never missed any actual cricket and is still uh, yeah. Um, is is winning Player of the Month awards and st- <laughs> the world's most conveniently timed band. Oh well, I don't know. Um, a certain short uh, opening batter from Afghanistan also had band sort of conveniently change as well. But but the way you know you talk about fire playing fire, the way that PNG plays, they could just as likely come out and be none for a hundred off seven overs against Bangladesh, and all of a sudden have them on the ropes. So I think they've just got to play exactly the same game they're playing against everyone else. I'll have their plans. They'll have done the work. But yeah, as we look at... I know we're not doing a preview for Bangladesh, but I think this really is, you know, these games for them to lose. You know, we've almost got them penciled in for for winning three games as much as we, we don't want to see it, and that's really the, the fight is for second place. And of course, we, we hope we're, we're wrong, but I, I think that, that last game will really just see... PNG just putting everything they've got out there because it's not a matter of having nothing to lose because that could be the game they've got to win to go through but this is a chance for them to really just go out and and, and do what they do in a situation where there are zero expectations on them because of how much the odds will be against them yeah uh, looking at that fixture and and just hoping that PNG mount a a really good game plan for it and maybe looking to Scotland's and again, you would consider Scotland favourites for that match as well. Nick PNG would target it as 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 their second victory if possible. But Scotland potentially in their batting lineup probably have a little bit more on paper. Though in saying that, if you were to look at the bowlers and if they manage to negotiate the likes of what and Tahi with the ball, we talked about it in the Scotland preview. The the quick bowlers in Scotland's lineup, I wouldn't say it's one dimensional, but it's certainly at that pace and level that PNG would would probably see that bowling in their eye, especially that top order. Yeah, we saw in the summer bash the the. Um, the warm-up series, they put up a decent score against Scotland. Uh, obviously, George Munsey had other ideas and uh, it, it wasn't enough to win. But you know, their, their batting looked okay and they managed to hit Ham, uh, Hamza Tahir uh, around pretty comprehensively. So, you know, that, that would that would be encouraging for them. And the question is just whether their bowlers can back them up against the more powerful Scottish batting order. Well, look, at what we've got to decide is which one of Scotland's games is going to be rained out <laughs> because we know that's going to happen. Yeah, is there another cyclone on the way? And look, I'm sorry I wasn't part of the Scotland preview here, but I just looked at this, you know, Oman the 17th, Scotland 19th, Bangladesh 21st. I'm thinking, well, the beat Oman ran, ran off against Scotland. You know, you never know what could happen. <laughs> All right, let's chat predictions. And without trying to sound like our new friend from Sri Lanka... <laughs> I, I don't want to say that they're definitely going home without progressing, but I look at all possible scenarios, and to be honest, I, I can't see how they progress. I think either Oman or Scotland will be too much for them. Although in saying that, I would be the happiest man in the world to be proved wrong if they were to come out and manage to reach the top two as well. And even if you know one of the players wants to walk out, raise the bat, and get out a piece of paper that says, yeah, merging cricket podcast talk now nah. <laughs> um I'd, I'd be all about it i think I, I think i would actually really love that but i look at it 
And again, I can't see a scenario where it happens, Nick. I'm guessing you're probably thinking the same. By some miracle, we can't see them progressing to the next stage. Yeah, as you say, the PNG, they're fan favourites. We we all love watching them play and, and they're a great bunch of guys. But I, yeah, just looking at the matchups, I can't see them finishing above last place in that group, unfortunately. And as you say, I would love to be wrong about that. And I, I, you know, if, if they do go through, I think it would be amazing for, for cricket you know, back home in PNG. But yeah, I, I just, I'm sadly predicting fourth. Yeah, you talk about being back home in PNG. That uh, this is something that Tony Nadu, new GM of Cricket PNG, talks about. That it's on network television in Papua New Guinea, and the advertising for the World Cup was during the NRL Grand Final, the highest rating program any any one year in in PNG. So people are going to be watching, and no pressure uh, PNG players, but you're basically going to have everyone that can get in front of a television watching you play which is is huge and the positive effect it could have I tend to agree with everyone's thoughts there and seeing them struggling to get through but what i will say is the first 10 overs against oman will set the tone for their entire tournament i go back to how hong kong had oman on the ropes in that qualifier they would have seen hong kong go through instead of oman in the uae and not get the job done. Had them four for 25, five for 20, what was, and Jatinder Singh come out and, and get them to a defendable total and, and got over the top in the end. If they can get off to a really positive start, and we know Oman can be bowled out cheaply, I think more, more so from Oman not bowling well. We know that Oman, you know, if something like that happens, we may be seeing a completely different tune about PNG and them riding a high from that going forward. So I'll say that that first 10 overs will really be critical from my perspective. And the other thing we, we probably should mention is that they were written off at the qualifier before the qualifier started. Yeah, that's a good point. They were one of the best teams, if not the best team at that qualifier. So they proved everyone wrong there. And then we go back again to the Barramundi Miracle of World Cricket League 2, where I'm not sure that, that people had factored them in even coming from the position that they were in. So <laughs> Not even the guys commentating on a different ground when we'd absolutely written them off. No comment, no comment. Um, but again, that... They seem to thrive in situations like this. They love the underdog tag. And look, they've played their best quite more often than not when they have been written off. So maybe this is the best thing for us to do as PNG fans is to write them off and say that they, they won't make any headway because we will see them come out and put in some good performances. <laughs> Thanks, boys, for joining me for another team preview. Uh, do make sure to listen to our entire back catalogue of T20 World Cup team previews, as well as the EC pod, where we will be looking and wrapping all the news from the World Cup and everything going on in the emerging game. But for now, on behalf of Tim Cutler, Nick Skinner, and myself, Daniel Beswick, I hope you enjoyed another T20 World Cup preview, and we'll see you for the next one.